Hello. Hello, Khan. Hi, hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you well. How are you? Cool. I'm trying What's to be good. good. Trying to be good. <laughs> All right. Love What's your happening? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> What's going on? Tell me. Why are you trying to be good? <laughs> yeah, things are a little bit complicated in Turkey, as always. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's always interesting in Turkey, like the rest of the Middle East. It's yeah, always yeah. action. <laughs> yes, that's why. Uh, actually, it's like uh, a health crisis ongoing, combined with an economical crisis, and all uh, as in Middle East, every country uh, there is always a political crisis. So. Now we are dealing with three crises at the same time. It's even too much for us. All together. <laughs> yeah. And for someone like you who's been through so many crises before. Yeah. Yeah, it's, as I said, it's even too much for us. How many have you been through so far? Like I, 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 you've told me before and different times, I think there was like the protests. Yeah, yeah. In. Like... There was like Gezi protests in 2013. It was like the Arab Spring in Turkey. And uh, we have a coup patent like uh, three years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> continuous economical crisis. So it's, yeah, very, the, it's the things are very sloppy in Turkey. With the lira as well, been the devaluating, not as much as Lebanon. Lebanon, we're in a deep dive. We're yeah. beating you at how quickly our leader. <laughs> We're like Venezuela now in Lebanon. <laughs> no, no, not how, not. how do you deal with that though? With your with your business, like I mean, a lot of your costs, I think, are are Turkey in Turkey as well. But still, mm -hmm. that must affect massively, you know, your expectations versus you know what you end up dealing with. Yeah, of course, because we have like investors and investors are expecting returns in US dollars, not in Turkish lira. So like uh, we are like continuously increasing our revenues, but in terms of US dollars, it never changed. <laughs> so that's a, that's, that's a little bit complicated. Like we are growing, but uh, in terms of US dollars, it's like reflected very poorly. So like our investors are not happy like all investors in turkey are not happy about the turkish companies who only make revenue in turkish liras uh, which is the case in onedio because we are a local media company and all, all our revenues are in turkish liras we are uh, experiencing growth we are like, growing like at least 25 percent uh, on an annual basis but if you uh, take in uh, US dollars into consideration, like you only grow five percent or six percent. So that's and you're a, a huge media company. You're like thirty million people, right? On your on your like website alone, and then the rest of the assets that you have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, during the pandemics, it's it's also increased. For the last three months, we have been hitting forty million, four zero, forty million monthly unique visitors wow. in Turkey. Yes, that's every Turkish uh, young Turkish person, basically. Yeah, we can we can say so. Like the total internet audience is around fifty-five million in Turkey, so we acquire forty million each month. So we are happy in terms of our reach, our traffics, uh, but of course it doesn't reflect uh, directly to our revenues because of the economical crisis and the pandemics.
Are you like a famous man in Turkey now, or like do people stop you on the street? <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I'm not famous. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm a little bit under the radar. But okay. when I'm say I'm the founder of Onedio, everyone, oh, I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you met someone who doesn't know Onedio in Turkey? Uh, maybe people over 60. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, maybe in somewhere like Turkey and running a big media business, you need to be under the radar. Have you ever yeah. gotten like phone calls to, to like remove something or... Um, actually, we know the red lines of the government because we are operating in Turkey and we are officially a Turkish company. So we have to comply with the rules and regulations of our government. So uh, we create content uh, accordingly with those stuff in mind. But of course, uh, there are uh, not uh, we are not getting unofficial calls uh, un- under the blanket, but we got official. Uh, orders from the like courts to remove certain contents. So we have to remove those contents. So uh, we have to comply with the regulations. For example, yeah, like Twitter, for example, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or these kind of global uh, corporations, they, they don't need to comply. So there's a huge uh, social media regulation now on, uh, is on the way in Turkey, forcing these global um, social media companies to open a branch in Turkey and uh, respond in less than 24 hours to these uh, like content removal uh, applications. So yeah, things will I, change in Turkey. I heard well. that. I, I heard about that. But would they would they do that? The big global companies, or they would just like not come to, if they want to like ban it in Turkey? Then go ahead. Do they? Because I don't think they'd remove any content. Yes, up to date, date, they only remove uh, content for uh, like uh, official terrorist organizations such as ISIS or like uh, content promoting pedophily or racism, those kind of stuff. But they don't remove uh, content uh, for internal like oppositions. But now, of course, our government wants to control each and every content on social media. I don't know whether they will comply with these new rules because like, uh, the punishment is huge. For uh, It includes throttling the uh, web traffic or banning Turkish companies to give advertisement to so- those social media platforms. I believe they will find a common ground. Uh, but I'm not sure about Twitter, for example. Twitter is a little bit uh, protest. Yeah, sensitive. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. They have like uh, time till the end of years. We'll see. Yeah, it's tricky running a media business. It's it's a, it's a big responsibility. Talking to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you're trying to build a business as as well. So tell me about your. You're also a co-founder of of another startup as well, Vcount, right? Yeah, actually, it is my first startup. I have graduated from Middle East Technical University in 2005. Uh, actually, I'm an electronics engineer. I, have, I had nothing to do with media business uh, prior to Onedio. We launched Vcount in 2006. Like it's a machine vision company. We produce uh, devices uh, to count people in retail stores or shopping malls or in buses, churches, everywhere. 
so Onedio was just like a hobby project uh, for me. And it just started after Arab Spring, to be honest, because during Arab Spring, uh, we have seen that like independent media startups is a must for our region. And all the uh, media industry was dominated by uh, traditional media players, just like every uh, yeah. Middle East country in Turkey, it, it was the situation. So I started uh, on Edio at 2000, uh, actually I registered on Edio in 2010, while I was still the CEO of uh, Vcount, and it started as a hobby project. And then it got uh, attention, we got received investments uh, from a local VC and also uh, from European Bank of Reconstruction and Development, and we have spinned out Onedio, and I became the CEO of Onedio with my electronics engineering background. <laughs> <laughs> but people are telling me that like a profile like yours uh, should uh, uh, is able to do this kind of revolution in Turkish media industry because like all the media guys, all media corporations in Turkey, their main job is also not media, like energy companies, construction companies, and yeah. they're also building media companies. Uh, to, uh, they don't have ambitions on innovations on media. Their all amb ambition is like having a good channel with the government uh, to yeah. uh, finance their uh, other businesses. So we are like a technology focused, technology minded, a couple of guys started a media business and uh, launched this media business uh, on a product-wise uh, point of view, not traditional media-wise, but we tried to design the best possible product for young people in Turkey, and it, it, it had a success. So I have switched from uh, like electronics engineering to a, a media guy. And how, how did you go from zero to 40 million now? Like, yeah. how can you get attract such a such a growth? I mean, it's massive growth. You almost capture like half the population. Yeah, uh, actually, I would say 2013 uh, was a uh, milestone in Onedio's growth. In 2013, there was Gezi protests in Turkey, like the Arab Spring one. So everyone was on the streets protesting the government. Uh, especially young people, millennials were all over the street, but traditional media was not covering it. All, for example, there was huge protests on the streets and like uh, media channels was uh, broadcasting a documentary about penguins or other stuff <laughs> like that. So uh, that was the exact same situation that we see in Belarus at the moment. So yeah. we, uh, Onedio as a platform, was enabling like people post content uh, to the uh, website. So Onedio was the first place that from the protests uh, because no mainstream media was broadcasting it. So people were uploading their photos, their, their uh, videos. We were curating them. We were of course fact checking them and turning those uh, images and videos into news stories and it was like huge hit uh, on edio was a huge hit at the moment everyone was uh, following the protests what was happening on the streets on on edio and we were not like uh, 
the voice of opposition. We were just uh, publishing what's going on the streets. So we were like uh, also including uh, the views, the images of pro-government, for example, people on our articles. Okay, like people are doing this, this, this opposition is posting this kind of stuff. But in the meantime, in the uh, same time, uh, this pro-government uh, people or supporter of government are uh, like putting uh, this kind of images or they are uh, opposing because of this. So we give the people the platform that they can share their views and uh, leave uh, the uh, rest to the reader to decide what is going on, which party is right. It is, mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, it was a, a huge success in our uh, history. And after that, uh, we have received uh, investment because our traffic was around like uh, 50,000 sessions a day and during Gezi protest, it was like one and a half million sessions a day. Wow. So you grew massively during that time. And that was yeah. all like mostly organic growth just by allowing people to go in. And what were they publishing? Was it videos, like allowing them to write articles or just big pictures? Yeah, we were like allowing them post videos and uh, pictures with uh, short, uh, like it, like tweets with short uh, texts. But we were... Uh, like uh, collecting them, fact-checking them, because like you will never know where the image comes from. It may be coming from a protest in Iraq. Uh, so you have to fact-check every image and video and uh, make it a story uh, by our own editors. And uh, like we were using like user-generated images and videos coming from our followers and making turning them into news into content, stories, yeah. news videos, and publish them. So it was all curated and fact-checked and ready to consume for our uh, users. So that took you from being... Yeah, that, that, yeah, that took us from uh, like uh, 50,000 readers per day to 1 million readers per day. And then we received investment uh, okay. from a local VC firm. Then we used that investment to push aggressively on social media. So it was around like 2013 and this influencer business was not hot at the moment, but there were lots of uh, Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers. So we paid them to promote on video content. Okay, you are posting content about, for example, football, or you are posting content about beauty so we have a very good article on beauty or we have a very good article on sports why don't you publish it and share it with your users and we will pay you for each traffic you are going to send us so we uh, we called it a super shader network those super shaders were actually influencers with lots of followers and they were posting on audio content instead of like posting CNN content they were posting on audio content so all over the internet was uh, on audio content people co posting content we get complaints about wherever I look I see on audio content it's <laughs> people were complaining about this but it uh, was a very uh, quick and huge uh, bump uh, in our traffic how did you monitor all of this and like do all the communication with all these people that are sharing the articles and then you have to pay them and how do you charge for 
the view like what did you build yeah. a system for it yeah, or? Yeah. we we built a panel uh, for it and uh, we like it was like uh, a dashboard it, yeah it was a dashboard it was and it was imitation only so even if you have like 10000 followers or 50000 followers you cannot log in you have to be invited and you you have to be like qualified in terms of your Uh, followers and uh, the quality of content you uh, share so uh, we have acquired like three or four hundred super sharers and uh, there was a coordinator in our team uh, who whose only job is like coordinating with those super sharers and when they log in into their dashboard they see the contents to be shared uh, that they can share uh, according to their audience so they pick the content they share it with the utms or every like uh, tracking code uh, that we generated for them so we will we were able to uh, call um, like uh, track how many people is coming from their post share and we paid like four dollars five dollars for each uh, 1000 visitors so wow, they were Yeah, they were continuously sharing the content, it, and it was all organic content, not any branded content or not like uh, like interruptive content that uh, like makes the readers unhappy. It was very good quality content, so they were very willing to share it because like it's uh, it's really hard for them to find the good quality content in Turkey because uh, like quality content, digital quality content was uh, like still very hard. To find in Turkish uh, written articles, so it was a win for them. Uh, they find the stuff to share. It was a win for their followers. They were sharing it. anyways. Yeah, they yeah. were sharing anyways. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, it's again, it's uh, like we have grown a lot with those super shares. How much? Like from 1.5 million to 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 what? Like uh, currently, we are like receiving three point five four million sessions a day. We are not now using them because, as you know, there were lots of uh, algorithm changes, especially in Facebook. Uh, so uh, during the golden era of uh, Facebook for publishers, uh, we have used them a lot. But after the Facebook algorithms changed, uh, we stopped uh, this process. Yeah, I don't know if I would call it golden era. I mean, you know, like we also. Took, uh, you know, had our experience with with digital media, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know about the Facebook era. Like it, it felt like it was a golden era. But when you look back at it, like from a global like sense for from for publishers, it was a golden era for Facebook. I don't know how much it was for <laughs> for for publishers. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. Actually, it was good. Like acquiring traffic was cheap. Virality of the posts were like. Uh, booming and like with the monetization options that facebook gave, gave us we, we we made good money during that time we have opened our russian operation our english operation because it was very easy to grow those international media operations um, all you need to do is like uh, promoting equality content and build a page on facebook and keep posting quality content and you get the traffic Yeah. But then Facebook did not like it. Facebook wanted uh, Facebook to be connection about people, not like lots of viral stories uh, full of uh, filling people's newsfeed. So they shifted their strategy just just like they did for the 
uh, gaming companies. So we have to revise, uh, as you as we discussed several times before, we had to revise all our strategy, traffic distribution strategy. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel that you know the the content, the whole virality of the co- it, it's made publishers and people addicted to just creating what could be viral content by clickbait mm-hmm. uh, articles and so on. And versus, you know, when, when, when you're writing for quality content for your reader, not to get you like number of clicks, but get you loyal readers. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel there's a big difference that created a lot of like issues in the, in the, in the media industry as a whole from a, and because journalists started to get paid also based on how many clicks they get on their on their article, mm-hmm. you know, which which wasn't the case before. So then you have journalists who would just pick up any story that you know would get them more clicks because that's how they were getting paid, even from the big global media players. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but do you see yourself at some point adding a paywall? What do you think about paywalls and and the media space? Yeah, paywall is is a cultural thing, I think. Like, uh, and I think it's very hard to receive in Turkey, uh, like making people pay for the content that they consume. It's really hard in Turkey because, like, we just started to pay for the content with Netflix for the last one and a half year, maybe. Before that, like, the, all the like, uh, like. Uh, illegal movie and uh, like series websites like pirating like it was huge it's still huge in Turkey because those are not regulated uh, still not regulated so I believe in Turkey we are still very far away from uh, paywalls in terms of uh, written articles it's, it's still very hard so we are looking for alternative uh, methods to uh, generate revenue like every other media outlets in the world because advertisement alone it's not enough it's not scalable and there are huge competitors such as facebook and google uh, who uh, like gets uh, like nearly 90 percent of the growth annual growth for example like digital media consumption and digital media advertising uh, like increases maybe 50 percent or digital ad revenues like increase 50% on an annual basis, but those 90% of those that 50% goes to Facebook and Google. So all media companies are fighting yeah, the 10%, for yeah. 10% uh, increase in the uh, media ecosystem. So it forces us to find new ways about uh, revenue generation. Like what? Other than advertising? What? What have you? What other revenue streams? Yeah, uh, we have shifted this strategy in the beginning of 2019. And we have benchmarked actually TikTok maker ByteDance. Because as you know, ByteDance was a content curator in China with more than 150 million monthly unique visitors when they launched TikTok in China. So what they did was like acquiring users with quality content, good content, and promoting new product to them. So TikTok has uh, uh, emerged and we are uh, following the same strategy. Now, uh, since we are touching 5 million different people each and every day, we should like 
produce a new product, a new app, and make Onedio's power and reach to uh, people download that new app where we can monetize uh, from consumers directly, not from brands, not from advertisements, but for from those 5 million daily people we should have monetized. So we have launched, uh, we have spinned off a gaming company. So we have launched um, a trivia game uh, last year where people were paying uh, to acquire jokers or uh, like in-app purchases. And like 3 million people have downloaded it. And it was the like uh, Google uh, app of the year at Google Play Store. And it's generated nearly 30% of our all annual yeah. med- media revenue alone. So now we are uh, pushing this strategy uh, and we have increased our product team, technical team. And now we are uh, going to launch three new products uh, within this year uh, where uh, we can monetize uh, directly from uh, consumers, not from brands. And we will, of course, uh, try to make those applications uh, global so that we can scale our revenue and businesses. So that's our strategy. So with the help of media, reach as many of uh, people as you can reach and make them download your consumer products that you can monetize. So uh, is that other, uh, not content, what you're monetizing, right? So on the on the game? No, no, you're, yeah, yeah, on the game, yeah, we are like, it's like who wants to be a millionaire? And as you know, there are jokers in who wants to be, be a millionaire. So if you want to use a joker uh, in order to proceed in the game, you have to pay for acquiring a joker. So we were directly purchase, uh, directly getting revenue from uh, the users, not the brand. For example, there there was a similar uh, like uh, show like which is called HQ Trivia, which was very popular in yeah, the United they, States. Yeah. Are they but, still around? They're, they're doing well now. No, actually, uh, their founder uh, uh, has died, and after oh wow, that, yeah. what happened uh, with him? He just died. Or? Drug overdose, I guess. He was the co-founder of uh, Wine, which was acquired by Twitter. And, oh my God! Yeah, he co-founded HG Trivia, and he died from the drug overdose. And after that, it was like slide down. So, but they were monetizing again with brand partnership. For for example, like Walmart was promoting a show, and it he, it was like giving away ten thousand dollars. So they were making money from again uh, brands. But we didn't choose that because we were already monetizing from brands, and we wanted people to make in-app purchases just like a traditional media company so that we could diversify our revenue stream and it it went good at the end of this month we are opening it to united states uh, united kingdom and latin america in two languages spanish and english so we are very excited about it it will be a case study for us like pivoting a product in turkey by using onedios uh, community spent uh, no money on marketing because like in this kind of consumer products like most of the budget goes to marketing, marketing yeah. yeah yeah so our marketing costs are zero we are leveraging on on edios uh, like audience user and, base yeah yeah user base and we can pivot the product to make it global 
someone is asking, Samir is asked from the audience, have you uh, tried using Snapchat for monetization? I think they have like their shows and- Yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, Snapchat uh, is like uh, nearly non-existent in Turkey. No one uses Snapchat. So we don't uh, use Snapchat as a publishing platform. When, when the Snapchat, Snapchat uh, first emerged, uh, we have opened a Snapchat account. We, we were like, we was, uh, we were uh, like attracting users. We have reached, received like nearly 100,000 uh, followers on Snapchat. But then Instagram has introduced stories and everyone, literally everyone has gone from Snapchat to Instagram. And if, at those days, Snapchat was not offering any uh, monetization to publishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 As, Samer, as Samer said, like in Middle East, <clears throat> Snapchat is uh, still very popular in some in of Saudi, countries. it's big, yeah. 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 In Turkey, like, no one is not posting Snapchat. Like I used to follow like 300 people on Snapchat. And now when I log into Snapchat, I see zero stories, literally zero stories. <laughs> so everyone has moved to Instagram stories. And is, is TikTok big in Turkey now? Are you using TikTok for that? Yeah, it's TikTok is huge in Turkey. It's growing very fast, and we have opened the TikTok channel as well. It's growing uh, uh, slowly, but it's solid. We have uh, a couple of videos who have reached millions of views. We are uh, like following very closely with the TikTok's uh, expansion in Turkey. What what are the other apps that you're working on on launching? You said you're looking at launching other apps. Um, in Turkey now we have uh, introduced a, a beta version of a user-generated content platform, uh, which is a mixture of um, Reddit and uh, Instagram Stories. So it's a user-generated social media platform uh, around topics. So, for example, there's a Champions League match, so you can post comments about the Champions League match under a certain like Reddit style topic and you can also post videos about that topic so all our uh, like we have more than 70 editors uh, in turkey and like creating a content business uh, relying only on editorial force is not very scalable so we have to uh, put a user generated content version of uh, uh, on edio so it's called dio uh, our user-generated content platform. It's in uh, beta mode, but it's uh, growing very fast. And we are going into classified business, classified ads. Uh, so it's a very common thing to do for a media business to launch a classified business. And uh, it will be live in December, but it will be uh, mobile only and video only. Just like Alibaba's Taobao in uh, China. Yeah. So, like, Video commerce is getting a huge interaction in Asia. It's not existent in our uh, country that's yet. A, that's a separate app or on an edio? No, it's it's a set, separate app. Have you considered doing what uh, like the China way of of, which for some reason seems to only work in China? But you know, like how they have like one app and then you do everything on that app, like you know Alibaba did or or yeah, WeChat. super app. Yeah. yeah, super, you do payments, you do... Uh, Karim is trying to do that now here in the region as well, you know, mm-hmm. becoming like a, they launched their super apps. Uh, but have you thought... Because you have a huge audience, so you can... You're probably one of the few that can actually pull it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
enable people to do payments, to do you know many different things on the app beyond entertainment, which is mostly what you're in uh -huh. right now. Yeah, it's. I think I lost you, Ken. I don't know if I can. Are you muted? Run out of juice, baby. <laughs> I can't hear you. Maybe if you switch to your to your just like computer speaker, maybe that would work. And now can you hear me? Yeah, perfect. Great. So uh, uh, we, we have talked about making these super apps, but uh, first uh, we decided let's try uh, on different apps, but develop those apps uh, as if we can merge them in the future. So we are preparing our, ourselves uh, to make a super app. But uh, to merge them, what would that super app do? Would it do like payments and other things as well within within Turkey and chatting and? Yeah, uh, first we are, we are going to focus on our own business, which is like content, of course, like uh, combining uh, onedio and dio, like combining content consumption and also user generated content in one app is the first step. Then uh, add classified into it then maybe like payment solutions chats in the future now we have like three things uh, ongoing like editorial content user generated content and yeah. the classified business have you tested with uh, dating before um actually uh, we have uh, thought about getting into the uh, dating business because there are tests in Onedio, like Onedio tests. It's like BuzzFeed quizzes, and we have 15 million unique uh, users for our test section. So we have thought about like combining this test solving with a dating uh, mechanism, uh, like a, but, like an icebreaker to to dating. Yeah, yeah. Like, you start. Yeah, well, look, you, you, you do. Our, our test results are very similar. So let's date. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was the idea, uh, but like everything one by one because like we have limited capacity on product development as well. So if you want to do everything at once, one of them will. Uh, yeah. uh, Your quizzes is like really interesting because I think you you told me once you had some like millions or even hundreds of millions or billions even of like answers and data that you can collect yeah. and then you were using that for the brand to access like to, to have them access unique data and targeting yeah like nearly five billion questions are answered each year on onedio tests so it's a huge amount five and billion questions yeah five billion questions wow. answered on onedio every year so like we got lots of data about first party data from those tests because people are answering those tests uh, uh, because they're curious about what will be the results for their personality. So they give the right answers. So for example, 
I can make a test about hairstyle. So uh, which hairstyle reflects your character? And I can ask questions about their hair type. For example, is your hair curly or is your hair straight? So I can store the data of all audience who answers that their hair is curly. And I can share this data, for example, with a hair straightener shampoo. Okay, these guys are like have these women have curly hair and it's first party data you 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 can't find this data anywhere you can't find this data on google you can't find this data on facebook because it's mostly demographic and interest based targeting but now i can ask people whether their hair is curly what kind of music do they like uh, or where do they want to go to the holiday to a resort or a small boutique hotel or a camping holiday. So I can ask these kind of questions to the people and I can target them accordingly uh, with my advertisers. Have you of built course, uh, yeah. Of course, all is done is in certain GDPR requirements for like uh, personal data uh, stuff, but we are all complied. Have you built a, an ad serving uh, platform that can serve it programmatically uh, from even smaller, maybe businesses? Uh, I was chatting with uh, Anagami founder, which is like the Spotify of the Middle mm -hmm. East earlier, and they're building their own ad serving platform to enable small businesses, not just the big brands, mm -hmm. to actually be able yeah, to actually, go in and with a small budget run a campaign on, like, let's say, for example, on Edu. Yeah, we have tried that, uh, but our main monetization is coming from branded content, not uh, display advertisement. Mm. And we, we have uh, let people to produce their own branded content. But we have concluded that they cannot produce their own content because it needs certain editorial skills uh, to make the content interesting and readable. If you leave it to user itself to promote its own content. For example, they have opened a restaurant and they basically can't write about their own <laughs> restaurant. It's very like full of grammatic errors. Like, uh, like you cannot make people read you need editors yeah, and writers. Yeah. yeah. So like we had uh, editors to review them, but it was like impossible to deal with. So now we are like only accepting uh, like certain ticket sizes to Onedio. So if you want to give advertisement, this is the minimum ticket size, and we will make it uh, available to, for example, fifty thousand readers, and we give it as a commitment. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, have you tried other things within within uh, media? Like I know you were producing a lot of video content at some point. Mm -hmm uh have you like spoken to netflix to maybe produce like a turkish series or a show on netflix or other other platforms or yeah, i'm not gonna ask tv but mainly a streaming yeah. platform. Um, actually we have a huge youtube channel which has 3.5 million subscribers in turkey it's one of the largest uh like uh corporate youtube channels like other than youtube uh, youtubers it's one of the largest uh, corporate channels in Turkey. And um, we had produced lots of uh, videos we are still producing. But in the beginning of this year, we have cut down our video operations by half. Because like um, scaling video business 
uh, is really cost a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, and it costs a lot of money. You have to invest a lot into production. And as I said, I'm not a media guy, and I'm not uh, definitely a producer. So, uh, like, it was not a scalable business. So we decided to cut half the uh, video. So. Uh, operation. So it was like 30 people. Now it's only 15 people. We are still producing videos, but uh, mostly not very high quality Netflix quality videos, like YouTuber quality videos to gather our uh, audience. And uh, to be honest, I don't uh, see like uh, producing shows for, for Netflix like companies as a like uh, very reliable uh, revenue source for uh, our uh, operations for a media company like ours. So we have to, like, I feel like we have to investigate like revenue uh, channels that is much more scalable. Have you looked into producing podcasts? I'm not sure are, are podcasts big in Turkey. Well, it's uh, it's growing, but not uh, very uh, popular. But again, like in this kind of stuff, like uh, if you don't sell your video to Netflix, the only way to monetize it is again with ads. At podcasts, the only way to monetize it is with ads, sponsored the podcast. We are already have very good deals and very large inventory for those uh, brands that depend on us. So, for example, if I get sponsorship for a podcast, uh, for example, from Unilever, it will like cannibalize my own revenue stream. So they will cut from uh, the uh, budget that they gave me for content, and they will like shift it to podcast. So it will not inc- it, it will not increase my uh, yeah. revenue. So uh, the main focus of us is like generating new revenue streams that will not cannibalize our own revenue stream. What about online events? Have you thought about that? Maybe it's also a form of... Yeah, after, after, yeah, after, after the pandemic, it's, it's, it looks uh, <laughs> much easier and much profitable because like offline events are now uh, impossible to uh, carry on. So, uh, yes, we are thinking about online events as well. But as I said, like uh, you cannot focus everything at the same time. We are now fully focused on consumer products that we can generate revenue from uh, consumers. So I'm, uh, for example, for 2020, I'm willing to produce, uh, like launch six or seven new consumer products and hope for one will uh, be a hit. Maybe I will kill six of them, but if one of them is going to be a hit, it will be enough. Yeah, we will experiment a lot. It's, it is experiments with consumer products. You never know. It's very difficult to predict people's behavior. So you you kind of have to bet on people's behavior and then put something out and try to get it to a certain scale and then see, you know, how people react to it and how it adopts. You can never know. That's that's why starting yeah. a B2C business is much risk, like a startup. It's much riskier than starting a B2B startup. So, yeah. but in our case, since we have like the audience and we have all the connections with those influencers and platforms, that's how we made three million people download our gaming app. Like we didn't spend any money, but so it doesn't cost know, you. Yeah, we we know how to make marketing for our customers. We are already making like 
YouTube shows for our app customers or we were already making creative content applications on Onedio for our app customers. So why are not we doing for our own apps that we own? So, so that, that makes a lot of sense so that we can give advertisement to those podcasts in, <laughs> instead of like to making your podcast and try, try to grab like brands money build your own product you already know everyone in the industry and uh, like make them promote your product yeah i think so it's yeah it's very interesting to try to like what you're saying is potentially you know testing with different consumer apps and hoping one of them will end up being the next tiktok you know or so because you have a huge audience to test with in one way or the other and usually with especially social networks and such platforms, behavior is generally similar globally across cultures. Uh, so if you figure out a new way to do things, you know, like TikTok started in China, you know, yeah. it didn't start in the U.S. Look at how big it is now in the U.S. Yeah, and the good thing is, you know, like for example, when we launched our gaming app, like the trivia show app, we have connected lots of influencers that we were already working for at our YouTube channel or we were already working with brands. So they, they got millions of followers. So we tell them that, look, this is our own app, so you have to promote it. And then we will promote you as on Edio. So it's like a barter. You promote our app, I will promote you. So they say they never say no to this kind of stuff because they always need attention. They want to be trending topic on Twitter. So I have the force to make them trending topic on Twitter. So now I'm using my media force to like uh, promote my stuff to influencers or other media outlets to promote my, uh, okay, I'll send you traffic. I'll make you, uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll send you traffic and you'll send traffic to my app. So that was like uh, common barter applications. So the, uh, like, I imagine a future that I am never like uh, making advertisement money from other people's products but I'm using all my ad inventory for all of my products and I have your own products. products. Yeah. 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 Have you tried to expand into other markets on the media? Yeah. Um, in the beginning of beginning of 2016, we have launched our Russian version. Uh, it was on which was on Edio Rue. It was crazy. Like we have built it from scratch. Most of the time, like, uh, International media operations, as you very well know, is made by like joint ventures or syndication agreements. For example, there is CNN Turk in uh, Turkey, which is a yeah. uh, like partnership between CNN and a Turkish partner. There is Fox in Turkey, which is the partnership with Fox and uh, again traditional partnerships. Uh, for example, BuzzFeed is launching its global operations for example they have launched in japan in partnership with yahoo vice media is launching its international operations with local media partners so globalization in media expanding new markets in media is like a franchise yeah like a franchise or partnerships like but we were crazy enough to launch on our own in russia 
uh, again, it's a very different, uh, difficult country, just like Turkey. So our investors was like, are you, you crazy? You like difficult like, countries. Yeah. <laughs> our investors was like, are you crazy? Now you have Erdogan in Turkey, now Putin in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get yourself into jail. <laughs> yeah. So, but... Uh, Russia was a wise choice for us because there are lots of Russian people living in Turkey, lots of. So it was really easy for us to hire native Russian editors in our Istanbul office. So we hired like several editors, Russian native editors in Istanbul, mostly like women married to Turkish guys, but they don't have any job, but they are very well educated. But because of the like, uh, like work conditions or the, like economics in Turkey, they were having trouble to find jobs. So we had a very good uh, freelancer and uh, like uh, editorial team in Istanbul office. And like, of course, like Russian is a uh, like 300 million people in the region speaking Russian. It's a huge audience. And the competition was uh, not very harsh. So we chose uh, Russia to launch first. And uh, it's grew uh, up to a point, like we had 15 million uh, monthly unique uh, visitors. And after that, uh, Russia has also changed its uh, regulations for media companies. Uh, we were publishing serious news stories as well in Russia. So in order to post serious news stories, you have to like... Uh, open, uh, like you have to move all your database to Russia. And like Yandex uh, was very, uh, most of our traffic com was coming from Yandex. Yandex, Yandex was, is the Google of Russia. Yeah, Russia, country, right? yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so most of our traffic was coming from Yandex. So Yandex has changed some strategies uh, for uh, foreign publishers. So we had trouble and now it's, uh, it's, it's in hibernate mode. We have only three or four editors. It's still making money from programmatic ads, but we need to invest, open an office in Russia, like comply with all regulations, etc., etc. So it's in hibernate mode now. Only publishing fun content, tests, and quizzes. We, we yeah, have these to... regulations are tough. I mean, tough to deal with. They can change your entire plans on 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 what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, media is tough. So now our main focus is in Turkey. We want to become uh, the largest media company in Turkey in five years because like in five years, like everywhere, everywhere else in the world, largest media company in Turkey will be digital. Like that's obvious because media is shifting to digital. And in terms of competition, we don't receive a lot of competition from uh, our media competitors in Turkey in terms of product or audience building innovation because they don't care about those. They're, they're too about. old. Yeah. yeah, too old and their like main concept is like promoting government. So uh, all yeah. they do, and still television is very strong in Turkey. So within five years, television will lose its uh, strength. Digital uh, will uh, prevail a lot. So uh, we are like waiting for uh, that time to come but we are very strong like people are like tv thing like we are the next generation of our fathers who have like first thing in the morning have their newspapers 
in their hands. Now, the next generation, we are going into on posting in the morning. So, do you, do you get a lot of direct traffic? People typing on edu.com? Yeah, yeah, of course, a lot. So, uh, most of our traffic was coming from social, like mostly Facebook, as you very well know. But after a Facebook algorithm changed, like we used to receive like 2 million, 3 million sessions a day from Facebook. Now it has dropped to 200,000, like it's, it has dropped 90%. So we had a very good strategy while converting that Facebook audience to our uh, direct users. So we have updated our mobile app, uh, promoted it a lot, and we have invested in uh, search engine optimization. Now uh, we have recovered our traffic. Again, like we are receiving nearly three to four million sessions alone by from our own app and uh, direct traffic. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, not being dependent on a social platform is very difficult, I must say. Yeah. But once you achieve that, I think you know that you have a you have like quite a loyal audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, of, I can, yeah, yeah. Go lots ahead. of lots of media companies that launched during Facebook time has gone bankrupt or uh, like sold for. Uh, like a fraction of their uh, like series A valuations, uh, like Mick.com, Mashable.com, you, you you know very well. Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, we at Step tried to build uh, you know different media, we, and we succeeded at building an audience. Uh, we built Step Feed, another website called Yella Feed and Platform, and we we built also a lot of audience in addition to the events that we do. But, you know, with the Arab world, it's like spread across multiple countries, multiple dialects, multiple, uh, you know, interests in different things, even though, even if you have like the same common language of Arabic, but actually Arabic, like the, the formal Arabic, no one speaks it. Yeah. No one speaks that at all. Like maybe only on news, like on mm -hmm. TV, on news, that's it. Everyone else speaks their own language. So that makes it very difficult from a media point of view, and plus the other everything else we're, you're, you're talking about. So definitely, it's very tough to build a media business, uh, but I think you've done a done an amazing job at it. So we we went, as Sep went back to focus on. We sold one of our websites, and we went back to focus on uh, events. And now we're like quite excited with the online event space. It is yeah. media after all as well. You're creating content. Like these three days, we have three days of, of content for for people to, to come in and not have to travel anywhere. You can enjoy the content from anywhere, plus the networking, because networking is a big part of, of events as well. Yeah. You did a great job this year, as always. Uh, it's, it's very fluid. It's Thanks. very cool. <laughs> Congratulations for this first Step Anywhere conference. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, I could go on for hours. Unfortunately, we run out of time. Uh, thanks so much for for being on 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 Meta Conversations. Uh, Thank you for inviting. It was a great chat. Yeah. Take care. Okay, bye bye. Bye.